0: What i want to talk to you about is about leverage there was that book robert kiyosaki rich dad poor dad that came out and you know spoke about how you can leverage your finances and you can make a whole lot of money and at the end of the service some of us myself and some of the leaders we're going to lay hands on anybody who's in business trusting through for a breakthrough but i want to talk about the principle of leverage not just in business but the principle that how you can do one or two small things and it can result incredible things now what we imparted to the boys when james came to us about a year ago and said i want to go out with this girl um, we repeated basically what we repeated to them for many years you are free and you're responsible (laughs) and we thought we'd got out of being that we weren't responsible any longer but we've imparted that to them that they are free and they're responsible secondly we are happiest when we have responsibility when we are doing things that we are being made to do, when we are living as men and women, fulfilling the purpose, the calling of God upon our lives, we are happiest when we actually have responsibilities. You think it's like when you have no responsibilities, go to some of the old age homes. They're some of the saddest, bleakest places, as opposed to places where people are being received for their giftings and and, and functioning in that sweet spot. We are happiest when we have responsibilities. And the interesting thing is, If you are irresponsible, it eventually becomes someone else's responsibility. And Adam and Eve are the greatest example of that. Their irresponsibility became Jesus' responsibility. And if we are not responsible with what God has given to us, what we are called to be responsible in, be it your job, be it your family, be it your marriage, if you're not responsible, eventually it becomes somebody else's responsibility. There's a principle that you learnt at high school i'm sure you forgot it all right it's called the archimedes principle and we're going to move off science soon don't worry okay this isn't a science lesson and i've given you two things <laughs> but it makes the points so the archimedes principle says the following that if the weight of the water that you displace is greater than the weight of the the ship it'll float okay put, put that simply so archimedes just discovered this principle which God had put in place. Now imagine you were to build a boat, build a boat in your backyard in Ramsach. you take it out onto Florida Lake, and it sinks. You're not going to say, God hates me. God isn't out there going, sink, float, sink, <laughs> float. <laughs> God doesn't do that. He's put principles in place with regards to buoyancy and gravitation, He's put the Archimedes principle in place. And if you don't breach that principle, it's awesome. You can build a ship. That's the USS Nimitz. What do the men say? Kind of like a Marine Corps shout out. That thing weighs 100,000 tons of metal. And it floats. How does it float? It floats according to the Archimedes principle. Now, I want to give you a principle that is far more important than the Archimedes principle. Far more important than the law of the lever, which was implied in the previous slide. It's a principle which is is set into the very fabric of the universe. If you take hold of it, man, you can cause your life to prosper. It can be good with your soul, your marriage, your family, your life, your business, everything. If you ignore it, you are just deceiving yourself because it will catch you at the back end. And I don't want anything to catch you at the back end. As I share this principle with you, I'm not speaking judgment on any of you. I'm putting before you a principle which, as you embrace, will cause your life to prosper and to be filled with joy and and all good things. So this is the principle which has been in Scripture and runs all the way through Scripture. And it starts in Genesis and is repeated all the way through. As long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and harvest time. It's this incredible principle of what you sow that you will reap. It's in place. God has put it in place. And in fact, he puts his hand on it. As we sow good seed, and I run ahead of myself, he causes that seed to prosper and to grow. And reciprocally, as we ignore these principles, woe be to us. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I mentioned Adam and Eve. They are a great example of sowing bad seed, which we as Adam and Eve's descendants have have felt the harvest, the bitter harvest of that, that the world is not the perfect world that we want it to be. And yet we are called to usher in the kingdom of God. And bring it back to its perfection. And Jesus is the ultimate example of sowing. He comes and he sows his life. His life is a seed that might bring forth tens of millions of people. You and I. Sons and daughters of the most high. Jesus says in John 12, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit the principle of sowing and reaping it's there it's embedded it's intrinsic to the world that we're in and jesus himself for the joy set before him that's you for you he endured the cross he sowed his life for you now if you've got your bibles turn with me to galatians chapter 6 this is the main that was just an intro turn with me to galatians chapter 6 Remember the epistle of Galatians, Martin Luther, he said the following, he says, it is the epistle to which I'm betrothed, it is my Katie van Bora, okay, Galatians addresses legalism, Galatians addresses all the nonsense in the church, it addresses heresy, and it speaks in the perfect tense all the way through from one, chapter one through to chapter five, but if you read the Bible, you'll see there often comes a gear change, a transition. Examples would be where all of a sudden in the middle of a book, Paul writes, write, Now brothers, or therefore, or but, or now. And he changes from the perfect tense to the imperative. And having established that we live our life by the Spirit, having established that it's by grace, having established that it's by faith, He then changes and he moves to the perfect tense. And this is what he says. He says, For if anyone thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work. And then he will have reason for boasting. This is the good boasting. In regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. Then it talks about sharing everything with your pastors. Read it yourself. (laughs) I should have left that in there. (laughs) Don't know why I took it out. Verse 7, it says, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. You know, he's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. It is possible for we as Christians to be deceived or to have some deception in our life as to how we're living our lives and the consequence. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to corruption or to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And then he says, let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. This is for some of you today. Do not grow weary in sowing. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow weary in in, in keep on keeping on. In your marriage, in your family, in your business, in the church, in your connect group, do not grow weary in doing good. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to His people, every nation, Reimsuch. Amen. Amen. Especially to those of the household of faith. <laughs> Let's break it down. He starts in verse 3, and he says, If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We have to be so careful that we don't put ourselves above other people. That we don't live in a sense of complacency because we are referencing to other people. We have to be so careful that we are referencing to the Lord. That our eyes are set on Him. That neither are we, are we lazy because maybe we've got some natural talents above other people. Nor are we striving and trying to be somebody that we're not. You need to be so careful that we, just, we, we don't allow deception to come into our lives, into our hearts. Deal with your deception. Then it says, each one must examine his own work. Examine. You know work is good. Work is good. Before Adam and Eve fell, they were given responsibility. Okay? Work is not all bad. And we need to examine the fruit, the work of our lives ultimately what you do is who you are ultimately now in the short term i know we need healing and we're growing and i understand you mess up but i learned this in marriage and i've been married 25 years so you're wondering when did you learn this (laughs) no use i tell her i love you i love you so much but i'm never there i love you so much but i never show up i never do the things that are important to her so too with our lives. What is the fruit of your life? Examine the work of your life because this speaks as to who you are. We can boast, but we boast in the work that God has given us to do. We boast in, are we taking our one talents? Some of you are five talent people. Some of you are 10 talent people. I think there's probably like 20, 30 talent people in this room. Some 50, says Andrew. <laughs> But boast in what you are called to do. In that there is peace. In that there is blessing. And then it says, for each one will bear his own load. Each one of you are called to take responsibility for your life. Now, I I understand we get thrown curveballs. I understand many of us have had bad things happen to us. There are many things that have happened to you that you find yourself in a situation not of your making i'm not saying you're responsible for those things but i am saying here today from this moment you are responsible for certain things and i would not be loving if i didn't tell that to you there's stuff that you are responsible for the state of your own soul what you do with your life the curve balls that you're throwing, you're not responsible for how you're treated badly growing up or done in by your business partner or maybe some of you had, had a bad marriage and, and you're no longer married. There's many things that you're not responsible for, but you are responsible for here, now, today. What do you do? And then he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, this he will also read. God is not your mama. <laughs> okay, you know you could fool your mama. The teacher, they just don't like me. Ah, oh, don't worry, my boy. You know. <laughs> God is not your mama. God sees what your pastor, your boss, even Pastor Carol, as prophetic as she is, even she doesn't see everything. <laughs> God sees everything. And He loves you. And he cares for you, but God is not mocked. He sees the seed that you're sowing. And the good news is, as you sow good seed, man, it's incredible. It's incredible because you, you know the whole principle of seed? You, you plant one seed and it brings forth an incredible harvest. You plant one millipip, you don't just get a, what do you call, like a, a, a cob. You don't get one cob, one milli, you get a whole milli bush. You know? That's a beautiful thing about sowing. As you sow good seed, if you start sowing good seed today, you're going to see an incredible harvest. So stop thinking about the bad seed that, you sow, that you've been sowing purpose today. <laughs> from today, to say, Lord, let that harvest die. <laughs> let there be crop failure, the bad stuff that I've been sowing. <laughs> and from today, <laughs> from today, I'm sowing good seed. God does not have amnesia. And God does not have myopia. The church that I grew up in, it was like, um, go wild, jaw, live it up. And then you just hope you don't die on Saturday night. (laughs) You hope that you die on Sunday morning, you know, (laughs) after you've repented. Now, is God merciful? And if you did jaw last night and you've come here this morning... Welcome. We're glad you're here. And how many times will God forgive you? Seven times? No, 70 times seven. Of course He forgives you if, as you repent. But understand this. You eventually hardwire your own brain. You eventually become what you're doing. And that's the problem. So does God forgive you? Is there mercy and grace Is you repent? Of course there is. But you don't want to keep on sowing seed and eventually having a terrible harvest in your life. You will always reap what you sow. There's no getting away from it. You sow seeds of faith. You sow seeds of prayer. You sow good deeds. You reap a harvest. And it's amazing. You know, it's like, how did it happen? Well, how does it, I mean, I didn't study biology, but how does it happen that a millipip yields for some Massive Ah, million, it's amazing, it's a miracle. It's a corny thing. (laughs) I'm getting fabulous chirps at the front. I encourage you, always come to church and sit right by the front. There's special anointing and extra humor right at the front here. I want to give you this principle, I've alluded to it. Within the principle of sowing and reaping, you always reap later and greater. Repeat after me. Later and greater. Can, you get, can I hear it a bit more louder? Later and greater. Now, you need to understand this. It's not like Pinocchio. Remember Pinocchio? The second Pinocchio lied, his nose grew. You know? Imagine the second you lied, your nose grew. I mean, you would think so carefully. Somebody asked you a question, you know. Where were you? Um. <laughs> now, the problem with this principle is it's later... And it's greater, but it happens. It happens. And just because it doesn't impact you today, you think, ah, not going to hit me. So so let me talk to you as an uncle, father, worm, um, opa, whatever you want to see me as, okay? So if, do the numbers yourself. Andrew and I were together at WITS in 1986. That's 30 years ago. <laughs> okay, I'm in my 50s now. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Let me, let, me, let me speak to you as a father. I've seen too many people ignore this principle. I've seen too many people who start well in the Lord and then they start saying, oh, you know, I can get away with this, I can get away with that. And then because there's not an immediate impact, they go, oh, it doesn't matter. The principle is later and it's greater. Now this should inspire faith to you. <laughs> This should say, you know, what, it's amazing because my little bit brings forth an incredible harvest. So, I've got a contestimony for you. You know what a contestimony is? It's a confession testimony. Okay. <laughs> there were three men this year that I started to engage. You know, we should always have people that we are reaching out to evangelistically. We should always have a few kind of like wild cards. You know, it's like now. Now the confession is, I looked at these three men. I was like. I don't know if any one of these will come through okay that was that was my lack of faith okay that's my confession but this is the powerful thing as we sow seeds we will reap later and greater and the one was um son of a very significant church leader so he was all bent out of shape the other one had like fried his his brain through through drugs the other one had lost his father in his teens. So there was a lot of stuff with, with, with each of them. And I was just, Lord, I feel like you're telling me to do this, I'll do it. Every one of them. Every one of them. And it wasn't me. I was like sharing the gospel, like going like, I know you're not gonna come to the next meeting. <laughs> I confess that. I, I kept going, I kept doing it. And the point is, you keep doing it, even if you you know, even if sometimes you know your attitude isn't perfect. Don't don't wait for a perfect attitude before you love your wife. Don't wait for a perfect attitude before you go to connect group. Amen? But I sowed that seed. And all three of them, all three of them baptized. One needs, one still needs to be baptized. All three of them, their lives have changed. We sow seed and we always reap later. And we reap greater. Don't you love this picture of this massive harvest? My goodness, man. I put before you the fruit. I put before you the incredible harvest that God has for us. And God says, let us not lose heart in doing good. Do not lose heart. In due season, you will reap. You will reap. Maybe you're in spring now and the, the harvest is coming in summer. Maybe it's an autumn harvest. I don't know. Different harvests in different areas of your life. But it is coming. It is coming. No, I just realized I didn't ask uh, Pastor Andrew and Carol what time the service finishes. And hallelujah, good. (laughs) I thought, was it half past 10? Then I'm in serious trouble. (laughs) So in response to this, let's hold on, baby. Let's hold on. Hold on for your harvest. Hold on for the harvest in your marriage. Hold on for the harvest for that future marriage that you trust in God for. Can I get an Amen from the singles? <laughs> Hold on and keep trusting for your business. Hold on and keep trusting for your kids. I remember moments with and let me speak to parents. It's like you know when you turn to your spouse and you say, Your child? <laughs> And Nicholas is saying to me, your sons, and I'm going to your sons, you know. <laughs> and we're spending time on our knees saying, Lord, just break through into their lives. And we're praying and we're praying. Nothing seems to happen. And now I look at them, and they love God, and they're on fire, and they're leading connect groups and making a difference where they are. But there were seasons of sowing in tears. There were seasons of just sowing and holding on, baby, knowing that God answers and God comes through. So then, while we have opportunity, sew so wherever you can. As you walk down the street, as you go into the restaurant, as you go to work, um, I loved, it's AJ. AJ's testimony. I mean, it's incredible. You know, I mean, it didn't work out for him to run one here. So he ran one in Centurion and I was running a connect group every single day. I mean, unbelievable. <laughs> but he sowed as he had opportunity. All of us have got opportunity, whether it's connect groups, whether it's evangelistically, whether it's good deeds, whether it's serving here in this great church. I mean, as as you move to two services, I'm sure you've already asked for volunteers. But if you haven't yet volunteered, lift up your hand. No, don't. But come to Andrew and Carol afterwards and get involved. So as you have opportunity. And then lastly, it says, so to the household of faith. Our giving, first and foremost, should be to our household. It should be to our local church. I don't have time to go into all the teachings on this, you know, but some people think that you can give your tithes and offerings elsewhere. And I'm not going to take up an offering now, so don't get nervous. I just want to give you truth. Okay? You sow first and foremost your tithe to the household of faith. You sow to those who are journeying with you. You sow to those who are most important to God, and that is the bride of Christ, expressed in a local context. And it's not a church ecclesiology definition of church It's not a church without leadership so it's not you on the golf course with your best friend okay that's fellowship that's not church okay church is when people gather together like this and there's order and there's love and 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 there's a movement and there's a passion and there's direction there's an amazing story called the keeper of the stream this is in one of john ortberg's books he tells the story There was once a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam in it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High on the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as the keeper of the springs. He had been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. He would travel from one spring to another in the hills, removing the branches, the fallen leaves, the debris that might pollute the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council decided that they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair, taxes to collect, and services to offer. And giving money to an unseen So often the unseen that is most important. To the unseen, stream cleaner had become a luxury they could no longer afford. So the old man left his post. High in the mountains, the springs went untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the stream into stagnant bogs. The beautiful swans went away. The kids no longer played in the stream people in the village started to get sick and all of a sudden they realized this immensely important role that the keeper of this sp- of the springs had and so they went back up the mountain and they found him and they asked him would he take up his post again and so he went back to every one of these streams and rivulets and all the places that had been blocked up and he and he began to clear it and after a while the spring the river was clear again and the beautiful swans came back and the children played again and health and life came back to the village. My brothers and sisters, the stream is your soul. The stream is your soul and you are the keeper of your soul. And how do you do it? By what you sow. By what you sow into your soul. Caroline Leaf, South African Amazing woman, encourage you to get some of her stuff. She talks about how we can literally rewire ourselves and I'm not going new age here. She's a Christian and she's actually saying that what has been in the word of God, science and you know sociology and psychology are now catching up on. And she says, Your choices, our choices, the natural consequences of our thoughts and imaginations get under the skin, sorry it's cut off, of our DNA. And can turn certain genes on and off. It's the epigenetics for those. Changing the structure of the neurons in our brains as well. So our thoughts, imagination, and choices can change the structure and function of our brains on every level. The more you play tennis, the more certain neurons, neuron paths get reinforced. Okay? We can change our very minds. We can change the way we think. and The Word of God says... We are, we are keepers of our souls. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ, knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. You are not just a victim of what you think. Oh, I thought it, so then I better do it. You know? The girl walked past, so I just kept staring at her, you know. We can control, we can overcome, we can change the way we think. When you objectively observe your own thinking with a view to capturing rogue rogue thoughts, you in effect direct your attention to stop the negative impact and rewire healthy new circuits into your brain. Those negative narratives about yourself, about your life, how bad it is, about your spouse, about your children, about your situation... You can change it. You can change it to a place of thanksgiving. You can change it to a place of, I believe this thing is going to change. You can change the very way you approach life. Colossians 3, verse 28 says, Set your minds on things above. Set your hearts on things above. We are called to set our minds and our hearts on things above. Now, I'm interested in the affairs of South Africa. I'm interested in international relations. I'm interested in politics. That's me, okay? For me to to read and to stay appraised, read the Daily Maverick, whatever, that that comes naturally to me. I don't know where you are with press media, but let me say this. All of us are called to see things from God's perspective, first and foremost. So whether it's local affairs or international affairs or the affairs of your family, we are called to see things through God's perspective we are called to set our minds and things above some examples of spiritual sowing sometimes we just got to pull back and be alone one of the ways that we sow is solitude time to be with God this morning I, I go be with God and I was like Lord you bring me to tears and I don't want to be crying have you ever had this <laughs> I, I don't want to be crying now I'm I'm getting ready for church you know But just being alone with God, He has made mouths and He's made ears. He will speak to you. Fasting. Jesus said this demon only comes out by prayer and fasting. There are some changes. There are some changes that only happen when you actually fast. And speak to your leaders. Some of you who've never fasted and you're still waiting for breakthrough, you've got to start fasting. Taking a Sabbath. What does a Sabbath mean? It means that for one day, You say, God, I want to trust in you. I don't have to work 24-7 because you are good and I rest in you. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to work hard six days a week, but I'm going to rest one day. Secrecy. I'm not talking about hiding your sins. I'm talking about hiding your good deeds. That you don't have to be seen in all the awesome things that you do. You've got that discipline of giving, of serving in secret. Nobody will ever compliment you and affirm you and recognize you enough. But we are called to live by faith and and walk sometimes in secrecy. Let that be a discipline in our lives. And submission. You know what submission is? That you open your lives up to other people. You know, sometimes as pastors, we can see the spinach between your teeth. But because you don't ask us to help you, we don't help you. <laughs> it really is a lot easier. Make Andrew and Carol and Mike and Bianca and Dale and Desh and everybody's job easier by welcoming them into your lives. Welcoming them into 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 every aspect of your life. They love you and they're there to, to help you. But unless you voluntarily yield and submit, it becomes very hard. Disciplines of engagement, and you know these, Bible reading, worship, prayer, confession, this is the sin one. Bible says, confess your sins one to another that you might be healed. Okay? We all blow it at certain times, I'm not saying every sin that you confess, that, that you commit you have to confess, but there come moments in your life where you actually need to confess it, not just to God, but you need to share with somebody who would pray for you that you can leave this thing behind, that you can leave this terrible thing behind, but that you can leave it behind. It's for your own soul. Being in a connect group, we call them connect groups here. Just remember at the end of the service, go to the back and sign up for a connect group. And giving, giving is a spiritual discipline. Giving is saying, God, I trust in you. You are the source of my life. It's not my boss, it's not my smartness, it's not my job, it's you. So I honor you with first fruits. I give of a tenth, and I give of offerings as well, and then service. So we are called to steward our own souls, and this is the first place of sowing and reaping, that we sow good seed into our own souls. I want to talk to married couples quickly. I want to give you four things that you need to do. Okay, so if you haven't taken notes now, married people, this is the moment you take notes. I know what it's like. You take a photograph. Okay, take a photograph. Let me give you all four of them. Four things that you have to do and the single people are saying, what? Is that all? (laughs) 20 minutes of talking alone together every day. I know that sounds so little. Single people are going like, what is wrong with these married people? (laughs) The point is every day, every day quality conversations. Not arguments, quality conversations, 20 minutes a day. Secondly, Every week, say every, every week. every week you invest in a date. Okay, now I know a date is only an hour or two, but if you invest in a four-hour date, who knows what else might happen <laughs> in that particular date. <laughs> Men, you hearing me. Who <laughs> 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 Thirdly, Nick and I have done this every year. You know, y- you have to go for... Um, a driver's license, but you can get married without any preparation. Every year, I charge you, studies show, make an annual investment in your marriage, attend a marriage course, read a great book every single year. Nick and I did the Alpha Marriage Course about five times, and you know what? Every time, God spoke. <laughs> every time there was conviction. <laughs> every time there was stuff that needed needed to change. Will you sow into your marriage? And then lastly, married couples, escape out of town. Get away without the kids. Just get away monthly or at least quarterly for 12 hours. Just the two of you. Will you sow into your marriage? Sowing into your family. I don't know what your background is. My background was when my father came home, we wanted to be quiet. Okay? And there wasn't much impartation at the dinner table in terms of life. There was a whole lot of talk about politics, but there wasn't much else. And, and some about business. But I want to give you some principles to sew into your family, married people. And, and, and this is just a teaser for the marriage course that you're going to start, the, the family course. Daily prayer for your children. Every day. First and foremost, you are the priests in the house. Every day, pray for your kids. Give them tons of love. got a picture here of the web's. I went off to David Webb because I saw some stuff in him as a father, and Caroline said, "I want to learn from you because I could just see how amazing these people are, and you've got some incredible families here in this church. So if you if you're not quite sure how to do it, then press in and say, hey, can can I hang with you? Can can we all go to the spur together? Your 15 kids and my two. You know, could we <laughs> could we spend time together? <laughs> can I learn supper times together? You know what that means?" nothing electronic on nothing on you know no cell phone no television nothing the one screen is my face and your face you know supper times full of conversations full of impartation lots of fun and laughter and then discipleship in the word the presence and the power of god teaching your kids to love god teaching your kids to know god Give them a first-hand faith. Lastly, and there's so many areas that we could talk about sowing, um, but sowing into your finances. Some of you need breakthrough. This is the good. This is the good news. Start sowing now; you will reap a harvest. So my background is business. Um, studied as a chartered accountant. Started a business. Have seen the hand and the blessing of God. Uh, last 10 years I've been out of it. The business still continues. What I'm, what I'm sharing with you are principles that are in the Word of God. These principles work. And if you don't know how to do it, if you're not sure about how to manage your finances, get counsel, get help, come to a pastor. If you're in a desperate predicament, speak to people. If you're not tithing, start tithing. If you don't budget, now I'm not saying how you must do budgets. Okay, Some people do budgets at the back of a cigarette box and it works for them. <laughs> Some are in multi-layer Excel spreadsheets. I'm not saying how you, how you must do it, but you've got to do it. Okay? You've got to be able to manage your income and your expenditure. There's got to be self-control. There's got to be stewardship in your life. And there's got to be prayer of your finances. You've got to sew into these areas. We're heading towards the end. I think we've got two more slides. There might be many things in your life that aren't your responsibility. Maybe it was your parents' responsibility, things that happened in South Africa, apartheid, I don't know. But my question to you is, what is your slice of the pie? Where do you need to sow? Where do you need to take responsibility? Maybe you need to take responsibility for just one piece of the pie. Maybe the predicament that you're in. Maybe your your spouse needs to take another slice of the pie. I don't know, but will you take responsibility for your slice of the pie? Because as you sow, you will reap. This is a lady in our church and a businesswoman, and she started a um, company garden. You know, I'm not quite sure what she's doing with the vegetables, but I just love the picture. It's such a cool picture of harvest. <laughs> And there's such joy. That's sort of company. That's Kath Lunt. I don't know if she's ever come and, and spoken here. But it's such an image of the harvest that God promises that what you sow, you will reap. Later and greater. Later and greater. God is not mocked, God sees. His promise is what you sow, you will reap. What you do today is you, you pray, Lord your mercy, your forgiveness on the bad seed that I've been sowing. And your purpose from today to sow every day, knowing eventually. You know what happens eventually? You've sown so much seed that just the harvest keeps coming in. The harvest keeps coming in. So last night I went to this um, benefit dinner and uh, the, fi- the, the main award, well for me what I thought was the main award was this like stunning watch and Nicholas says to me, you need a new watch. I'm like, I know I need a new watch. You know, it's not this one. No, this is my old watch. Um, and I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. So it's an American auction. Basically, you have to go heads, tails, heads, tails. You put your hands on your head. I said, Lord, what is it? So he tells me, you know, he tells me the combination, you know. <laughs> Jim said to me, what are you doing? And I said to him, this is what I'm doing. And I told him, you know, heads, it was heads, heads. Heads, heads Was saying, Lord, I'm under your lordship. I'm under your lordship, you know. Double and tails tells is Lord, I'm frail, I'm weak, you know. My humanity. So that's what I felt like God said to me. And heads, heads, tails, tails, I came away with the beautiful watch. <laughs> the point being is and and I'm not trying to say you should start gambling, okay? <laughs> Do not go try that at what's the local gambling joint here? Do not go try that at Silver Star, okay? The point that I'm making is you get to a place in life where you've kept sowing seed. Eventually, there's just harvest after harvest, the wheat harvest, the barley harvest, the, the watch harvest. <laughs> harvest after harvest starts coming in. That's where God wants to get you to. And there's a harvest in your family and in your kids and your grandkids and your wife and your business. And it's harvest after harvest after harvest. This principle is a leverage principle it's a multiplier principle it's later and greater so can we just pray together Pastor Ann and Carol come join me let's pray together for the congregation Father I bring before you those who've been sowing good seed Father God and are trusting you. I pray, Lord God, for a strengthening in their soul, Lord God. Lord, that they would not grow weary. They would not grow tired, Father God. Lord God, you would speak your words of promise to them that they will reap a harvest if they do not give up, Lord God. And Lord, your mercy, Lord God, on those who have been sowing bad seed. Thank you to your God who is rich in kindness. That as we repent, Lord God, you respond with, with mercy and grace.